Good morning, church family. It's uh, an incredible opportunity to once again be ministering to you this morning from the Word of God. And I'm excited to continue on from where we finished on Friday morning, going through Isaiah chapter 52 and 53. We said that this week our theme um, is called Upon Him, where we've been looking at everything that Christ has taken upon Himself and that which God has placed upon Him in order that we might be the joyful, blessed recipients of life, of salvation, of well-being, the scripture says. And this morning we're going to continue on with the last part of this prophetic song about the servant, the suffering servant, Jesus. Before we do, I want to take a quick moment and just refresh our memories on what, what I shared on on Friday. And I really hope that you've had some time over this weekend to think through it, to pray through it and, and to apply it. In your own walk but we looked at four things and we first of all saw that Jesus came as the surpassing servant that he has come as a servant um, but one that surpasses all kings and kingdoms and he has come to serve the nations of the world with the sprinkling of his own blood he didn't come with the perfect majesty which he had in heaven he came as a servant but he surpassed all the kingdoms of this world. And secondly, we looked at the simplicity in which he came as a simple shoot. The beautiful imagery of a little plant starting to grow from the ground up, not being esteemed much, not being thought of much. And he entered this world with simplicity and in simplicity. He was despised, he was grieved, he was sorrowful, so that he can identify with us as vulnerable men. And away from the esteem of heaven, that we can be once again be esteemed in heaven. And then thirdly, we looked at how he was the substitute, that he has been the one who receives upon himself all the, the sin, all the judgment, all the, the affliction needed to justify the sin of all the world. And with every blow of affliction, with every wound of excruciating pain, he brought us peace, he brought us healing, He brought us forgiveness, He brought us restoration. And the Bible says the chastisement put upon Him has given us well-being. He is the substitute and the price paid for that which was meant to be ours. And then we ended on Friday morning just looking at the silenced shepherd. How for a moment in time, Jesus, our good shepherd, who has always gone ahead and who has been leading even for, before the cross being referred to as a shepherd, the good shepherd was silenced, but only for a brief moment as he faced death so that his sheep can follow and only have to walk through the shadow of death unto eternal life. And, and here we are on Sunday morning and thinking about the resurrection. The story did not end in this, the shepherd being silenced, but there was a moment where all of heaven was waiting in expectation and anticipation and the roar of the line of Judah was heard once again as he has conquered death and our shepherd's voice has since been roaring thunderously and powerfully over all of our lives and even today our shepherd's voice is ahead of us leading us on and this morning we're going to look at what he does behind that moment of conquering death what he does now that he is the resurrected king in his rightful place We'll be going through the last few verses of Isaiah 53, especially looking at verse 10 to 12. 
And just to remind us that this first part of the prophecy is all about Jesus coming as a servant in simplicity, as a substitute, silenced, but he did not come just for that. He came for all of that and everything that is to follow in that scripture that we're going to be reading this morning. This next piece shows us how he now sits enthroned, how he is now watching over us, how he is justifying us and working at us and perfecting us and how he is interceding for us. So let's read together the last part of this beautiful prophecy about Jesus, Isaiah 53, verse 10 to 12. But the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because he poured out himself to death, and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many, and interceded for the transgressors. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray as we look at this final portion of scripture out of Isaiah 53, this beautiful prophetic song about you, that you will now lift our gaze upon you in your rightful place, ruling, reigning, prospering, and prospering us, your children. Thank you, Lord, that the story did not end on Good Friday with you facing death and for a moment silence, but this story continues with the voice of our shepherd leading us on into eternity. Thank you, Lord, that while we are here on earth, that we're going through our things and facing life, that we get to hear your voice. But one day in heaven, when you come to finally take us to yourself, we will constantly be in the presence of the voice of our shepherd. And for that, we thank you. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through your word this morning. Again, that you would anoint it and Holy Spirit, that you would bring to us the revelation of Jesus through the study of these verses. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Isn't this exciting? Imagine the story had to end on Friday. Imagine the prophecy was done at verse 9, where, where the sheep was led to slaughter and silenced. But yet God had a perfect plan in mind. God knew exactly what the end of this story is going to be and how this prophecy was going to end. And I can imagine the first time that the people of God heard this prophecy, how they were holding their breaths in expectation of what is the end result going to be. And then we get towards the end in this last stanza, a beautiful display of what Jesus is busy with now, today, since he has conquered death. And this morning, I just want to share with us three last thoughts from this passage. And the first thought out of the first first part there in verse 10 is that he is our prospering patriarch. That he is prospering and that he is working at his offspring. The scriptures say that he will see his offspring and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Verse 10. So it speaks about two strong ideas here that now because Jesus has conquered death and he's in his rightful place, 
He is our patriarch. He is the head of the family or the tribe of the children of God that he is now leading. Jesus has become the head of his church. And all of us have been given the opportunity to be his children. John 1 verse 12 says it, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And this prophecy, 700 years before, speaks about him looking at his offspring around the world with delight, with pleasure, and wanting to prosper them. Because all that he does and all that is in his hand is prospered. Because of what he did at the cross, because he has conquered death, we are all given the opportunity to be part of this family of God. With a father that is loving us, that is embracing us, that says, my children, come boldly to my throne of grace. I'm ready for you to run into my arms because of what Jesus has done. And since the moment that he has conquered death, that has been what he has been busy with, is looking after and, and seeking his children. For those that are lost, he says, I would leave the 99 to go and find the one that is still to be found. My heart is after my offspring, after my children, and after building this household of God in heaven. And then secondly, what we find is, not only is he speaking about us being part of this household of God, but he speaks about the pleasure of the Lord's will to prosper everything in his hand. So if we are within the hands of Jesus, being, being part of this, this beautiful family that he is, he is finding and saving and, and pulling onto himself, then he looks upon us, his children, with huge pleasure and he makes us prosper. This prophecy is not just to receive eternal life. It's not just to end at what he's done on the cross. It is to take us beyond that to this understanding that he now looks upon us, his children, with incredible pleasure. And he says, my children, I want to give you life and I want to give you life in abundance. My heart is to prosper you at the will of the Lord. Pleasure and prosper for us for the life here for today, not just for eternity, but for today as well. And I want to encourage you that maybe where you are finding yourself personally or for the season that we are in, that you have, you've not seen the pleasure or the prosperity of God. And there's a simple invitation this morning. So we go through that verse in verse 10, that because of what is done on the cross, you are welcome to come and say, Lord, let me live in that prospering place, in that place of understanding that you have pleasure in me your child. He is the head over us. We are found in him. His pleasure is upon us and we can live prosperous within him. It's the first part of, of this section. And then we go on to verse 11. I'm going to read it to us again. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. And it speaks about after that, that he is becoming our pleased perfecter. As a result, and because of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and will be pleased. The word satisfied, the same as the word pleased here. And then it says later on in verse 11, that my servant will justify many. Not only are we invited to believe in him and to become his rightful children and children whom he finds pleasure in prospering, but then he looks at it and he is so pleased because of the finished work at the cross and because of what he's done. And now all the time he is working at us and he is perfecting us. My servant will justify 
many. Hebrews 12 says it so beautifully. Let us fix our gaze upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Today, as we think about his resurrection, it is also thinking about the fact that in his resurrection, in his rightful place now, he is busy perfecting and working on our faith. He is pleased in what he's done. The Father is pleased in the sacrifice that he has paid. But also now he's saying, I, I want to live in, in, in a place of being pleased in you, my children. So will you let me work on your faith? He started writing our story on the cross, but he continues to write it. He started making us righteous and in right standing with God at the cross. But then he continues to sanctify us and worked, work on us and to perfect the faith which we are now a part of. He is pleased over what he has done on the cross, but he continues to work in it. He is a perfecter of what he started. That's what I love about Jesus. It's like someone painting a painting just this week. Helena at home was, was busy with a painting and it's the first, first try she did it, she didn't like it all and then she just discarded the painting and then she tried a second time the same painting but on, on a canvas and not on a piece of paper and then she's done it and she looked at it for a day or two and after looking at it for a day or two she changed it again and by the third time looking at this painting she was satisfied that this is the final result. And in the same way, you see, now walk with Jesus, we often have to go back to this place of the cross where we might have made mistakes, where we have fallen short again of His glory, where we have sinned and turned our backs on Him. But He says, guys, if you come back to me every single time, I'm still working on you. I want to perfect what I started in your life. It would be a miss if we only limit the gospel and the message of the cross to the substitution, to Jesus taking all our punishment upon himself. This prophecy encourages us to move away and on from the substitution onto the completion. That he is the one perfecting and working and justifying his children. Then lastly, my last point out of Isaiah 53 speaks about our praying portion. And it's beautiful to see what the scripture says. He says, therefore, I will allot him a portion. This is God speaking about Jesus, the servant. I will allot him a portion with the great because he poured himself out to death. He himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. Wow, there's even more Jesus. We've become your cherished children. You are constantly at work within us, but there's even more. And God is saying to us this morning, yes, there's even more. I have given Jesus his rightful portion of reign, his rightful portion of rule and his kingdom. And by the way, it is extravagant and it is great. I've given that to him. It is his allotted portion. The psalmist speaks about this. He says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. And this prophecy in Isaiah says, we as the children of God get to live in the understanding of the inheritance that Jesus has secured for us in heaven. If he becomes our portion, if he becomes the, the wellspring of life that we drink from, we can say in confidence that our portion is great and our portion is secure because of what Jesus has done. We are the blessed recipients of the lot and the portion bestowed upon him. Isaiah prophesies and the word he used there to say the portion is among the great is that the portion of Jesus 
is exceedingly abundant, that there is no end to it. But not only an inheritance from him, because he, he has gone ahead of us. It says that he is the one who is interceding. He, Jesus, the servant, our substitute, our head, our perfecter, he prays for us. We read just here that he was making intercession for the transgressors. And in Romans 8 verse 34, Paul just expounds on this idea so beautifully when he says, In who will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand. And he is making intercession for us. Not only did Jesus pray for us on the way to the cross and on the cross and on the way to death. But today Jesus is sitting in his rightful place with all of the portion and the beauty and the splendor of and extravagance of the kingdom of heaven at his command. And he's praying for his children. And he says, you are not condemned. I have died and I have risen so that you can live understanding that you are part of the inheritance and I have an inheritance in play for you. When I have gone to battle death, I was interceding for you. I was thinking about the portion that I have for you. I was pleased over you and knew that I had plans to perfect you. I made you part of my family and it's my desire to lead you into prospering. That's what this moment of celebrating resurrection is about. It's not just the finished work on the cross. It's the con continuation of the always finishing work in our lives that Jesus is reminding us on, of today. And I want to remind us just again of that one verse stuck in the middle of this message. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us well-being. Upon him was everything placed so that we, his children, can live in his well-being. That we can live knowing that we are part of his family, that he is our patriarch, our head going ahead. That we can live knowing that he is the one who finds pleasure in us and has become our portion. And that we can live knowing that he is always interceding on behalf of us. So as we conclude our journey through Easter this year, I want you to, for the rest of this year, be reminded that everything we have is upon Him, that everything we get to receive is upon Him and it's because of Him. And I want us to end this Easter by just reading the Scripture once more. We're going to be looking just on our, on our, on our Easter design, the upon Him picture, and I'll be reading the Scripture to us this morning once again. Let's, let's focus our eyes on the Word of God. Let's focus our ears on that again. And as we, as we sign off this morning, be encouraged again by this prophecy about Jesus. See, my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. But many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one could scarcely know that he was a man. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence, for they will see what they had not been told. They will understand what they had not heard about. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, 
like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly. Yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet, when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for them.